0: Welcome, learners and learn it alike, to help teach. Hello, and welcome to our community audio project. I am your host, editor, producer, and project co lead, Mihai Kovasar. I'm also a youth living with a physical disability. My most formative experiences living with a disability have come in the Canadian public education system. Many students like me with physical, emotional, or mental challenges go through their years of schooling lacking the supports and accommodations they need to partake of the same opportunities offered to their peers. The vision of this project is to provide educators in Canadian classrooms, students with disabilities, and members of the general public with the tools and knowledge that they need to make our institutions more accessible and inclusive for all. Join me and a diverse cast of guests as we explore perspectives on disabilities in education in this podcast series. One last message for you teachers tuning in, listen in each episode for our key takeaway that you can implement in your classroom today to help us further this vision. I am happy to introduce a very special guest here on the show today, someone who will speak today on students who are dealing with mental, educational, or emotional challenges, or who are considered in the system to be what we call gifted. So before we get into that, without further ado, I would like to introduce our guest for today, Tyvi Alenko. Welcome to the show, Tyvee.
1: Thank you. It is so great to be here today. I've had the privilege over the last 31 years, it's hard to believe, but I've had 31 years of being a teacher. And I know that I found the right career path because after 31 years, as exhausting as it is, I still love to go every day. <laughs> so I'm happy to be here today. Let's have the great discussion of what I can share with you in focus of supporting the gifted learner.
0: Then why don't we start there? Why don't you tell us a bit about where you have worked and what you're presently doing in the education system?
1: So I started off in Saskatchewan, and that's where I had my undergrad degree. And from there, immediately moved to BC in several districts. So I've worked in central Okanagan, Kamloops district, back in Surrey. With my husband's work, we we did go overseas and were in the Middle East for a bit, came back. So I have had such a repertoire of different grade levels to teach and different experiences that can just add to my depth of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And so at this point, I am in Kelowna, and I'm back where I began uh, my initial teaching. And so I'm back as a learning assistance teacher here in Kelowna in a middle school. And that in itself, anyone who has taught in middle school, you've <laughs> got to love those uh, teenagers.
0: And,
1: the that they're at. and uh, yeah, it's, it, life is always a journey.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I, uh, I can attest to the fact that middle school is often the uh, <laughs> source of some heated and lovely conversations between my friends and I.
1: <laughs> Never so boring. I-
0: Never boring. That's true. That, that much is true. So, uh, for our audience that maybe is not super familiar with, uh, this concept that we mentioned, I wanted to ask you what exactly does gifted mean? And what exactly does it mean to be a gifted educator?
1: Well, the reason why I love your podcast is because you are really advocating and building the understanding of all exceptional learners. And a gifted learner, despite if individuals like or dislike labels, that particular learner is exceptional. Parents who raise a gifted, high ability child will tell you it is hard work. It is not easy. And there's a reason why our ministry, our provincial ministry, has gifted under special education because academically, sometimes they can fare well if they so choose. (laughs) Intellectually is where we really see that huge strength area. Creativity is another huge piece that we see. So oftentimes these learners fight conformity and guess what our schools have been traditionally known for conformity. Mm -hmm. The other thing is social emotionally. Mm -hmm. These learners are so intense with their feelings and with things that are occurring around them because of that there has to be some individual educational plan for them and the key piece they need someone advocating for them they need togetherness they need each other
0: absolutely so speaking of those close ties and that support network, because you mentioned socio-emotional challenges for a lot of these students, but students can be, as you say, intellectually strong, and it's often accompanied with many of these other obstacles, but not necessarily either, and it, there, there's a wide gamut, I know, of different students with different abilities. So do you then have close ties to other what we call special education staff? What's the difference between what you do and someone who just has students under the portfolio that have these obstacles, but maybe don't fall under the gifted umbrella?
1: So my role as a learning assistance teacher, and this is with most districts, I service the students who may have a learning disability and those who are gifted. However, other exceptional learners, like we have talked about in previous podcasts, have fallen under the resource teacher. Mm -hmm. In, I think the 31 years of teaching that I've had, I have seen such a transition. Everyone used to be in their own silo of their own department. (laughs) With having more of an inclusive classroom, those silos have had to come together. It's that feeling of collaboration and unity Mm -hmm that I feel right now at my middle school, because there are many things that I do not know (laughs) that my colleague will help to, to build that understanding for me
0: speaking from experience as someone with a physical disability who has fallen under the special education platform that way but whose condition is first of all fairly mild by comparison to others and also who has had my own experiences in in the classroom in terms of excelling at school but not paired with any other obstacles intellectually or emotionally each person has that unique combination of all of these aspects that make it hard to sometimes know where to fit so the fact that we can come together to make that experience easier to navigate, I think is, is quite mm-hmm. a vital piece. Exactly. I want to ask you as well, speaking of all of this experience in uh, gifted education and special education, why, why gifted education? What brought you to where you are? And I think you have a, a fun story to share. Oh, about that, that. that is
1: That leads me to a very fun story because <laughs> I grew up in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan and at the grade seven and eight level, the school had identified that I could learn very quickly and easily. And I was starting to create a little bit of problem because I didn't want to conform to some of the assignments because I thought I had better ideas that I could create a different poem. And all of a sudden, I was thrown into a testing situation. And that psychoeducational assessment was I still to this day, I just thought, finally, someone's making me think, (laughs) <laughs> now, after that test, nothing was said to me and in grade seven and eight, we needed a job filled as the school secretary at Thornton elementary. So they trained me how to answer the phone and I could operate the steno machine and I could do additional typing for any of the teachers. And I loved it. It was awesome until I was in grade nine. And my typing teacher looked at me and she said, Tybee, why are you still doing typing? Like. You can type over 100 words per minute. Why are you here? And I said, well, I'm going to be a secretary very proudly. And she looked at me, and I was you know, a little disheartened when she said, no, 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 no. You can type. You go try other classes. There's going to be another pathway for you. And that was the first time that I just thought, aha, uh-huh. I guess maybe I could try other things. <laughs> <laughs> So it was only at that point, I had one person saying to me, no, try other things. And then as I looked at what my strengths were and what I really enjoyed doing, it had everything to do about teaching. So as I began, did my undergrad in Saskatchewan and I taught for a number of years, I felt like the inclusivity within my classroom And the many needs that I didn't understand made me feel like I wasn't being the teacher that I had wanted to be. So I went back to school again with the intention of, I want to learn about all exceptional learners because they are in my classroom. And it was because of that, of course, gifted was under my umbrella for many, many years and this is an unserviced population that can sometimes be so overlooked. There's so many stereotypes. And just because a student can't do one thing, I hear so many adults in their lives saying, oh, well, they can't be gifted because they can't do such and such. We are just closing the door to the potential that that learner Mm -hmm. may have. And gifted or not, I see potential in every learner in every spectrum of development and every spectrum of either their areas of strength or the struggles that are coming with. So that that's my passion and it's kind of awesome that it all started from being a great secretary of Thornton Elementary School.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Now, don't go anywhere audience members, when we come back, I will be continuing my discussion with Tybee Elenko on the subject of maximizing student potential and what it's like to work with students of a diverse demographic in the public education system. Don't go anywhere, we'll be right back. You are listening to Help Teach. I'm here today with a contact of mine with whom we've had great conversations in the past, Ty Bielenko, and we're just about to move on to a subject that you mentioned here called maximizing potential or seeing potential in students. Now I think for some of our audience members that may sound like a bit of a buzzword, right? Because maximizing potential, I mean, what does that really mean? It's a quite a general idea encompassing a huge range of practices and skills, teachers skills, students skills. But specifically, I want to ask you as an educator for uh, as long as you have been, what do you think is the key element that's come up time and again, that leads you to think this is what students need to have their potential maximized or how to see it and how to tap into it.
1: The number one word that comes to my mind is understanding, understanding Mm. of the learner in multiple ways, but really at a very authentic, intentional way of getting the heart of the student.
0: What exactly do you mean by authentic or intentional? What does that mean for you?
1: What that means for me is beyond a test score, beyond an assignment that is being handed in, it is actually having meaningful conversation. And I know every teacher will want that, but Do we actually have time within our day to do it? The majority of time is no. We are so filled in our classrooms. So with that, it has to be intentional. You have to work at the time to set aside, even if it's for two minutes, to have just a simple conversation with students. And you use your talents and and what works for you. For myself, I love to take the time to write a personal note sometimes to a student that I don't have the time to make those personal connections with that week. And I'll even send it through snail mail because mm-hmm. what a joy it would be for them to actually look in the mailbox and get something called a letter <laughs> instead <laughs> of an email. So, you know, you have to think of how can I be intentional to actually form a connection with that learner? You know, even at the school level, There are three questions that have been so important for me and I have used those in every context. All of the school districts that I've worked with, with all of the schools that I've been in, three simple questions and I've used them from kindergarten to grade 12. Do you want me to share them?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I'd love to hear them.
1: They're easy. Number one, in your learning, what do you feel is most valuable for yourself right now, in your learning, and the little elementary kids will that will negate what they want to say about gym class or recess, but it really does identify their strength. Mm -hmm. And the second question is, what is a frustration that you feel regarding your learning? Sometimes social emotional pieces can come up. Sometimes there are other ideas of, you know, a certain subject area that is frustrating for that learner. That will tell me the area of struggle and that we need to work from. And then the third question is, if you had a wish or a goal for my secondary students, I'd say, what is your goal? Not for this year, but for these next eight weeks, what change would you like to make to make your learning the best it can be and reach your potential?
0: Absolutely. I'll reiterate that for our audience, because I think that for any teachers listening, these questions are something that I wish I had been asked during my educational journey, because if I had been involved more in the setting of my own path, I think things could have been a lot different in some situations. So I'll reiterate that for our audience here. Question one, what do you love about learning? What is your frustration about learning? And thirdly, if you had the next two months to make learning different for you, what would you do? A story comes to mind here of a group called Chris adaptive adventures it's a group that operates here in the Okanagan Valley to give students adaptations for their school trips for outdoor events especially right so they do all kinds of outdoor events for students and they're a wonderful group I remember back in middle school that we had a trip up to uh, Knox Mountain it's a mountain here in Kelowna where Tybee and I are both situated it's local it's a fantastic hiking spot very popular We took a school trip there, and of course, any adaptations, any additional supports, anything had to go through all of the red tape, had to go through the school system, through the assistance that I had in school, that kind of thing, before it could actually be approved. What had happened is, rather than going through that path, we simply contacted this group and asked them, hey, we're going on a hiking trip, what can you help us with? quickly, you know, at the snap of a finger, they came up, they came with us and brought this special cart or, or chair that I could use when I got tired on the hike and they would just help me around. It was super popular, super fun, all my friends were like <laughs> commenting on it and we were making jokes about it all that kind of thing. But we were sort of condemned for having gone off the rails and searched for that support ourselves rather than letting it be all through the school system. And so what that tells me is that sometimes Putting the student in the heart of the action and in the process of getting their own needs and their own path sorted the way they would like to see it happen, that's not always valued or respected in the public education system. Mm -hmm. And I think though not all students can necessarily advocate for themselves and not that they should have to, they should have support to do that too if they need it, but for those that can and would like to, Even if it involves making mistakes, I mean, how do we learn but by making mistakes and making decisions that we revise later, right? So So getting the student involved in that process Mm -hmm. is is key. So I really appreciate you sharing those questions.
1: And it develops a sense of trust between the educator Mm. and the learner it then promotes that advocacy that I am seen more as a cheerleader. Once I get plans going <laughs> and I actually form that relationship with the child, I stand then on the sidelines cheering them on as they are developing. And like I loved how you had said, not all students are yet able to self-advocate for themselves. But that's where I can just be there to help guide them to be the best self-advocate. And as soon as that happens, confidence levels soar. And as soon as confidence soars, the courage to pursue more and risk-taking happens with our learners.
0: And something that one of my other guests, Alexis, brought up a couple of times, which I think is a really kind of heartbreaking feeling, but one that a lot of students tend to have in our situation is this feeling of screaming into the void, as she calls it. This idea of having desires and needs and being a self-advocate for students that have already reached that level but just not having it stick to anything having those words just float out and not be heard right and so being put at the helm of your own journey it's no wonder that it builds that confidence because it makes you feel like you're actually in control and you're actually being respected for the ideas that you have right which is to bring it all the way back uh, full circle a lot of what gifted students struggle with Mm -hmm. right students who have ideas and have concepts things in their heads that they either don't really know how to express or they're trying to express but just is Well, they feel stifled. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. They feel stifled, ignored by by educators.
1: So I use those three questions to develop my individual educational plans. I use those three questions when I'm meeting randomly with a student. For some students, I ask them that every Friday because every Mm. Friday is a new week ahead that we need to develop a plan with. We all want our students to be self-advocates, but we have to teach them and guide them to be that mm-hmm. and we just can't expect them to be voicing everything that they need because <laughs> they don't know yet what they need in many cases.
0: I don't think most people know sometimes I, how to voice what they need totally
1: yeah <laughs> I agree
0: what would you say are a couple of concepts that are key to starting off that journey
1: Well, we've talked a lot in the last 15 years in educational circles about mindsets. Mm. And so growth mindsets are a huge piece. We actually need to ensure that we are creating that safe space for the learner. A lot Mm. of my gifted students, for whatever different reasons come in, they can be very hesitant to, to pull through. Mm. So I think number one, just developing a a really good uh, mindset balance. And number Mm. two, the flexibility that these students need Mm. is essential because flexibility will give them freedom in their education. It will help to develop the creativity that they can then form their pathway to launch their future.
0: Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. I can't stress that enough. As a student that has gone through the public education system with my own challenges, with my own strengths, being trapped in a box that sometimes got increasingly small with regards to what I was allowed to do, despite what I was able to do, it's, as you used before, the word stifling. It makes you feel like you lose all control when you get put into that without any degree of pull or flexibility or the ability to explore at mm-hmm. your own at your own freedom, right, which is really what school is there to help people do at the end of the day. Yeah. I think I've mentioned this before on the show, the motto that I often use in my educational journey and in my advocacy journey is to show people what we can do rather than what we cannot do mm-hmm. or to put the focus on what we can do. Yeah. Because just changing that wording from what are your obstacles, what's in the way, what can't you do to, let's just go with what you can. That makes a world of difference, not only in mindset, but practically too. And,
1: you know, with our curriculum that has been implemented several years now, I love the new curriculum because it does give us more flexibility
0: and it does
1: have the I can statements. Interestingly enough, just this week, um, I had a student who was really struggling in my room. And so I just put an I can statement that she needed at that time. And she looked at it and she goes, I hate I can statements. (laughs) And I said, well, I'm going to just move it away from you because this is where we need to get to. Mm. And, you know, those are those are awesome moments because yeah, some kids may not be emotionally set to say, I can do that. So I need to back the bus up and start with those scaffolded moments of what can that learner do?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, with that, I'd love to take it to sort of the wrap up here and what we can offer for educators at the end of this episode, given all of this information and and given this exploration we've talked about, what can educators do to help make their classrooms more accessible in light of everything we've talked about? Would you like to start by summarizing that for us, Tyvee?
1: Mm -hmm. I think my recommendation is to push the boundaries of your comfort zone. Because after teaching for 31 years, I kind of get used to what works for me, but I've had to push myself. So I know that I'm a gifted educator, uh, not that I'm a gifted educator, but I'm an education (laughs) specialist in gifted education. But I need to push myself in areas that I don't feel comfortable or that I feel I'm way too comfortable. And I need to get back to really thinking about what is new for me Mm -hmm. this year we have all different curriculum and associations that will help to meet those needs. So here's here's an example in October, we have our PSA conferences coming up. I have my gifted conference at Sage BC. We have a speaker coming up from Houston who is a differentiation specialist. Very unique way of differentiating because her method is with giving a menu and giving choice. a very high level thinking planning tasks Mm. that's an awesome opportunity that all teachers have an opportunity to opt into as Mm. well as other amazing conferences throughout the province and through districts
0: absolutely So what I will do is for you educators out there listening, in the description of this episode will be linked several resources that you can check out at your leisure. For example, I will link the SAGE, which is Specialist Association of Gifted Educators of British Columbia, SAGE BC. I will link their website where all of these workshops will be posted. I will link to some online tools from the Rick Hansen Foundation that you can use in the classroom, these bite-sized learning modules as they're called, as well as a couple of other uh, additional resources for you to explore. And what we would recommend is maybe even once a month, try and find some little piece of learning that you can add to your own learning journey as an educator to push yourself, as Tybee said, outside of your comfort zone and into something that can help to make your classroom more accessible. Well, Tybee, it was a pleasure to have you on to speak today. I really appreciate you coming and I hope to have you back sometime soon as well.
1: Oh, thank you for having me, it's been a lot of fun.
0: You've just heard another episode of the Community Audio Project, Help Teach. I'd love to give a huge thank you to my other co-leads on this project, Peyton Given, Maggie Manning, Elise Doucette, and Alexis Holmgren, all youth leaders at the Rick Hansen Foundation, who I'd also like to thank for their continued support in this initiative and others. I'd like to give a huge shout out to our community mentor for this project, Charles Katsia. My name is Mihaly Kavasser. I am your host, editor, and producer for this podcast series. As promised, you can now find all our transcripts, episode notes, and links to other resources on transistor.fm, or listen to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions about the show, if you'd like to offer suggestions, or you would like to be connected as a guest, you can now get in touch at helpteachpodcast at gmail.com. That's helpteachpodcast at gmail.com. Please send in any questions that you might have regarding our episodes and we would love to address them in future ones. Tune in next time for more great conversations and key takeaways that you educators can implement in the classroom today to make it a more accessible and inclusive place for all. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next time.